Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we start a new sermon series about questions. Is asking tough questions a sign of doubt and despair? Or do tough questions mark the beginnings of a living and resilient faith? Join us for the message. So, is this all there is? Welcome to worship here at uh, Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. A question, is asking tough questions a sign, a sign of doubt and despair? Or do tough questions mark the beginning of a living and resilient faith? We're going to be talking about that a little bit later in our message entitled, So, Is This All There Is? <laughs> and hopefully we'll come to a good answer about that. If you've not already done so this week, then we invite you to make an offering to the ministry of this church. You can do that through our website, tumcd.org. You can do that through our church center app. Of course, you can always just write a check and give it, put it in the plate or mail it to the church as well. We have three scriptures that we're sharing today. First scripture comes from Mark 1, 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the, be the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Our second scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16, 18 and 19. <clears throat> Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And our last scripture is from John 9, verses 1 through 10. Chapter 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. <clears throat> The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? This is the word of God for the people of God. I don't have any children of my own, so my nieces and nephews have been my children. 
Now, they're all, they're all grown now, and over half of them now have children of their own. But in years past, I had the opportunity to occasionally babysit my nieces and nephews. Most of the time, it was just for a few hours, but a few times it was for overnight. My nephew, Matt, is 42 now. But when he was in the fifth grade, I was babysitting overnight, and his friend George was going to spend the night. And I was directed to make sure they both were in bed with lights out by 11 p.m., because it was Friday night and their baseball team had a tournament to go to the next day, 11 o'clock. At 11.30, I went into the kitchen, and while they had their lights out, I could hear they're still awake and they're still talking. So I opened the door and I said, you boys need to stop talking and get to sleep. You've got a big day tomorrow. There was a moment's silence, and then I heard little Matt's voice coming out, cutting through the darkness. But we're talking about Jesus. Well, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> Stop talking about Jesus right now and go to sleep. I think I said something like, well, wrap it up soon and get to sleep. I closed the door and I still hear them right on, they went right on talking about Jesus for another 15 to 20 minutes before they finally drifted off. Now, I think I did the right thing that night by not enforcing the letter of the law. Matt's friend George actually ended up going to seminary and working as a pastor. And I do think it maybe was just a little bit of payback for what I put my own parents through. Because you see, ever since I can remember, I've been a night owl. As a child, I was forever pushing back against my bedtime and routinely disregarding it. And sometimes I would get in trouble when mom found me still up long past midnight. I got sneaky. I got to where I would take some of the books off of my shelf and stack them on the floor behind my bedroom door so my parents couldn't see the light coming underneath the crack at the bottom of my door. And so what was I doing up so late? Well, more often than not, I was reading the Bible. And it was really difficult for my parents to come down too hard on me for reading the Bible. I mean, you usually want to encourage your kids to read the Bible. And just like Matt's friend George, I did end up going to seminary and becoming a pastor. Now, I'm not sure what it was about the night that brought out the biblical scholar in me or in my inspired young nephew. And the thing is, I still do my best work at night. You see, there's something, there's something about the darkness that I think focus, focuses my mind and allows me to ask questions and to seek answers that may not be visible in the glare of daytime. And see, perhaps it's only in the dark where the light becomes most visible. As Kathy just read, our, par our passage from the Gospel of John begins with these words. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, the leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So why does John in his Gospel make a point of saying that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And this has been a, a subject of speculation among biblical scholars. It reminds me that prior to the Civil War, uh, slaves were only allowed to go to church at their master's discretion, and some were never allowed to go. And so to compensate, some of the enslaved persons would meet clandestinely in the dark at night in order to worship. 
So for them, Nicodemus was one of their favorite biblical characters because they too came to Jesus in the dark of the night. Others have speculated that despite being a Pharisee and the member of the Sanhedrin, that is the Jews' ruling council, that Nicodemus was afraid of what the other Jewish leaders would say if they knew that he was talking to Jesus. So he came by night in order not to be detected. Later in the Gospel of John, however, Nicodemus publicly defends Jesus and assists in his burial. Now, most scholars today point to John's use of symbolism, the symbolism of darkness and light, to explain why John made a point of saying that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. In fact, later it's in the same Gospel of John that Jesus makes this claim. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the symbolism of the story, as he seeks Jesus, Nicodemus has to come in from the darkness into the light that's represented by Jesus. And even then, he's confused by the light of Jesus' message, and he struggles to understand. As the Gospel of John goes forward, it seems that Nicodemus gradually does come to see and to understand the light that was in Jesus. Perhaps like me, there was something about the darkness that focused the mind of Nicodemus and allowed him to ask questions and to seek answers that were not visible in the glare of daytime. Perhaps it was only in the dark that the light could be made visible to him. Likewise, it is often in the times of darkness in our lives when we most desire to see the light. It can be after the loss of someone we love, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, the loss of health. It can be whenever we finally realize that our lives are not going to turn out the way that we had dreamed. And we can come to ask, so, is this all there is? Is this what my life has come down to? Ironically, it can also be sometimes during the best times of our lives that we stop to ask if this is all there is. I do know of one woman who endeavored to read the entire Bible after the birth, the joyous birth of her child. Perhaps it may be an upcoming marriage or a highly anticipated new move that may elicit the desire to see more of the light. At these key moments in our lives, we can say, to borrow from one of the Star Wars movies, which I love, that the force awakens in our lives and we're ready to be reborn. There's been a lot of misunderstanding over the years about what it means to be born again. We often hear that phrase about being a born-again Christian. People use the term born-again Christian as if there is some other kind. You see, by definition, all Christians should be born again. And, but, and, and also, in reality, if we're true to the biblical passage, we really should be saying that we're born from above. You see, the confusion stems from the fact that the same Greek word in the gospel text can be translated as either born again or born from above. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that a person needs to be born from above, that is, born spiritually. And Nicodemus is misunderstanding Jesus and thinks that he is saying that a person needs to be born again physically and is then understandably confused about exactly how would this happen but what does it mean then to be born spiritually? What does it mean when Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit? 
Now, water in this case literally is referring to amniotic fluid, the clear fluid that is expelled when a pregnant woman's water breaks. So Jesus is saying that to enter the kingdom of God, one needs to be born physically and spiritually. But of course, in the Christian faith, spiritual rebirth is symbolized then by water baptism. So being born of water has then a double meaning. It can refer then to physical birth and baptismal birth. Now today in the Christian liturgical calendar, we're celebrating what's called the baptism of the Lord, the day when Jesus went to his cousin, whom we now call John the Baptist, and was baptized by John there in the Jordan River, as also we just read from the Gospel of Mark. So we too mark our initiation into Christian life by remembering our baptism. But again, what does it mean to be born from above or to be born spiritually? Well, one way to look at this is to be spiritually reborn is to open yourself up to God's Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to come, to come into our hearts, to come into our lives, and to create new growth in us, new growth that is characterized, as Paul said in the letter to the Galatians, by the fruit of the Spirit, by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, some people may be able, able to point to an exact time and place when they first open their heart up to God. They can point to a, a, a specific instance when they, sometimes they'll use this language, they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. For some of us, though, it's more of a slow realization that God has all this time already been at work in our lives. And at some point, maybe without even being fully aware of it, we did open up our hearts to the presence of the Spirit. We did take the faith that we were born into, that we were taught, and we decided to accept it as our own faith. But I do think being born from above, being born spiritually, is not a once-for-all happening. It also means that we leave our hearts open so that over a lifetime we may experience a series of new births, a series of new beginnings. And it means that we keep our hearts and our minds open to new things that God may be doing. And just as individuals can be reborn, I think so can congregations. In fact, when Jesus says you must be born from above, the you here is plural. So it might be better to be translated as y'all must be born from above. <laughs> and I do think Trinity UMC Duncanville is a pretty good example right now of a church that has been reborn spiritually, reborn physically in our new building. But whether as individuals or as congregations, we're neither born nor reborn in a vacuum. Whether we mean physical birth or spiritual birth, we're always born in a community, a community that keeps its hearts and minds open to the new things that God may be doing. In the Isaiah passage, which we also read last Sunday, God tells us to not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. This message came to Israel at a time when the Jews were in exile in Babylon, and they were feeling helpless, and they were feeling hopeless. 
And right before these verses, the prophet Isaiah was reminding the Jews how God took care of them ever since back in the exodus from Egypt and how God took care of them during all their wilderness wanderings. But then God says not to remember the old things because God is about to do a new thing that is even greater than the things of old. What happened in the past will be nothing compared to what will take place in the future. And so in the meantime, the prophet reminds us, know that God will continue to provide for us and will continue to be God's people, a people formed in order to praise God. Memory can play a very complicated role in our lives. Our memories, and think about our our memories. Our memories are the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And these memories can give us hope for the future. As we recall how God has taken care of us in in the past and about how life has a way of working out for the best, we can face uncertain times, a little less anxiety, a little more hope. That's certainly what I'm praying for, for Greg and Cade right now. On the other hand, memories, though, can also keep us from imagining a different future. Some of you may have read this. Medical studies show that doctors often miss a diagnosis because they've treated similar symptoms in the past. So when a patient presents with a certain set of symptoms that the doctor has seen before, he or she is more likely just to assume that this patient now suffers from the same disease that the doctor has treated before. And they have a tendency not to look for alternative diseases with similar symptoms because they're relying on their memories and not considering that what they're facing here is something new that requires a different type of treatment. And similarly, we can face new situations, and we may be confused about whether what has worked in the past is still going to work in the future. Or we can ask, do we need to try something new because God is doing a new thing? Therefore, we can look to the future either with faith or with confusion. We can either see all the possibilities of the future that God is laying before us, or we can ask, so, is this all there is? Over the next several weeks in this new sermon series that we're doing, we're going to be exploring questions that can either mire us in despair or inspire us to go forward in faith. Because I believe that the deepest faith starts with the toughest questions. Next week, we're going to explore this question. Who is Jesus and why should I care? But even if we are unsure and we feel that we don't have all the answers, I think we can still be a source of light for others. Because you see, right now there are people out there who are in the dark and they're looking for a way and a light to illumine their path. And they're wondering if this is all there is or is there a deeper dimension or a deeper meaning to life. They want to be reborn, but they're just not sure how. They're homesick for heaven but they're just unable to articulate their feelings. And so I think Trinity UMC can be a beacon that shows others the way. Because I do believe at the end of everything that the Christian faith provides a map for life and a path to the light 
and that we can be a place where those in the dark can find their way. That is not in any way to denigrate any other of the world's faiths, but I do believe, because I know this from my own personal experience, that Christian faith does work, and it does provide a path, and a path that I know with certainty will lead us into a deeper way of living. So we can be still in the darkness and still look for light. And like Nicodemus in his search for the truth, so often it is in the dark that we see the light most clearly. It's in the dark that we can still have the innocence of children and still have the courage to talk about Jesus in the dark. Amen. Remember, you can always find recordings of our service on our Facebook page, on our website, tumcd.org, or our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. In the meantime now, accept this benediction. As you have been fed at this table, go feed the hungry. As you have been set free, go set free the imprisoned. As you have received, give as you have heard, proclaim in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we'll continue asking tough questions about faith, such as, who is Jesus and why should I care? You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, or our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry through your gift through our website, tumcd.org. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church. Thank you.